for choosing this podcast. This is Coming Out Stories with me, Emma Goldswell. It's brought to you by What Goes On Media and we bring you inspiring LGBTQ plus stories every fortnight. We're currently looking for sponsors for the podcast so we can keep sharing these stories. More on that at the end of this episode, so please keep listening. You're about to meet Jenny, who's originally from Canada but now lives in Cheshire in England. She came out slightly later in life and discovering her sexuality led to a lot of changes. A marriage, a new role as a mum and even a new career. I began by asking how she identified. Uh, So I'm female, a woman uh, for sure and uh, I'm married to a woman so I would identify I suppose as a lesbian. Well you say suppose, I mean has it been a bit of a journey for you? When when did you sort of think, oh, I might be attracted to my own gender and I might be gay? For me, it was very much later in life. It was um, probably my late 20s. You know, I had quite a sheltered upbringing as a child. Um, I come from a great family, really loving and close, also open. But we grew up in a suburb, predominantly white, predominantly heteronormative, Um, Even divorce wasn't really, you know, a big thing where I grew up. Yeah. In Canada, as you can tell from the accent. Yes, I was going to say, we're not not in uh, (laughs) Cheshire. (laughs) Well, you're in Cheshire now, but that's where you live. But you're not in Cheshire where you grew up. So in Canada, uh, growing up in what decade predominantly? So I am 36 now. So it was, you know, late 80s, 90s, probably, I would say probably all through the 90s was was growing up for me. And, you know, I wasn't really exposed to various different um, sexualities. And of course, at that time, there was really only one gender, um, or two genders, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> one so for you. All, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it for me, it was, I think, uh, moving away from where I grew up. So I, I moved away later um, in life to London, UK. And I think just getting away from everybody that I knew and the career that I started and just my overall life kind of gave me a new lease on life and the courage and the, I don't know, freedom, I guess, to explore my sexuality. And, you know, I suppose there must have been someone that kind of you know sparked uh sparked something in me that you know made me look at women differently but oddly I can't really put my finger on an exact moment or an exact time it was just more I was on the dating apps and I thought you know I'm gonna just flick it to just women and start exploring that and I did and I was like okay this is definitely for me That's quite a big decision to make, though, isn't it? It's like, right, I'm lonely. I'm going to go and find myself a partner. Here I am looking for men, presumably going on dates with men. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. (laughs) So they didn't go well then. Yeah, it just, you know, I think there was just always something missing for me. And, Mm. um, I, you know, as I started to grow and develop and become more of myself, I, I just, you know, started to really get a clear understanding of who I was and what my sexuality was. And, you know, I think it was a blessing for me anyways, everyone's different that it happened later on in life because Mm -hmm. it was for me very definitive. This is absolutely the path that I want to take and who I am. And this is actually bringing myself, you know, my whole self full circle. And presumably were you dating boys at high school then? And it was just- Absolutely, yeah. As a normal straight girl, I guess, yeah. Exactly. It's so funny, Emma. Like when I think back and I speak to other lesbians and other gay men and whatnot that they all said they knew when they were younger. And Mm. I don't know, that just wasn't, 
it's just not my story. It's not how I, you know, developed into my sexuality. And looking back, you know, hindsight's 2020, I can certainly see that there were aspects that were missing for me. Mm. But yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there in bright lights, gay, gay, gay. It was, (laughs) it wasn't there. And presumably no one, because um, sadly, a lot of this podcast, sometimes I talk to people who have been the victims of bullying at school and high school. But I'm guessing that wasn't something that you experienced at all, was it? No one sort of, you weren't exhibiting signs of being a lesbian or gay or even questioning. And no. so nobody was attacking you for it. No, exactly. I had a great kind of upbringing and, and my teenage years were, for you know, the most part, wonderful and healthy. And um, no, I, I didn't, because I, I wasn't a gay teenager, no, I didn't face any of that. And it sounds like you didn't even know any other gay people and it was it was quite a sheltered upbringing. Yeah, I went to a Catholic school. Obviously, there was lots of gay people, I'm sure, who were there with me. Uh, And now when I, you know, with the joys of Facebook and social media, I can look back and see a lot of people I did go to high school with who who are gay. And it's just a shame that it wasn't really an environment that encouraged children and teenagers to feel comfortable with who they are enough to come out and to live exactly as they should have been living. But yeah, it just wasn't the environment that I was in. Yeah, that's interesting because I always think of Canada as being very forward thinking and very liberal and very LGBT friendly, actually. It is. It is. It's just, I think, maybe perhaps the pod, the section Mm. that I was in, which is Mm. very much a suburb, Catholic, heteronormative. Like I said, divorce wasn't even a big thing. Not very many uh, of my friend's parents were divorced. So I suppose that even though it wasn't uh, necessarily frowned upon, it wasn't encouraged if that makes sense. Okay. But then out there in the, in the big cities and in the wider uh, Canada, it's, it's very, very celebrated, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I know Justin Trudeau always attends Pride, doesn't he? And uh, I he's love very him. Gay yeah. friendly. <laughs> he's one of my favorite world leaders, I have to say. Yeah, he's, yeah, I really enjoy him as well. I think it's a mixed bag in Canada in terms of the, the opinion on him, but I really like him. Oh, yeah. I bet. No, I bet there is. One of my so, uh, secret guilty pleasures, which sounds weird coming from a lesbian, is um, Googling images of him doing yoga. And... <laughs> <laughs> Try it. There's some very impressive moves. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's very limber. He is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's fast forward to London. So it sounds like being in your 20s and uh, having the experience of dating men in London wasn't great. But it's quite a leap to then suddenly go, oh, I'm going to switch this dating up to um, women as well. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I can't even remember, you know, the woman that, you know, sparked that in me to think, oh, wow, I'm, I, am, I am actually attracted to her or whatever it was. And that's probably something I should really do some thinking on. But it was just more natural for me. I, I think I just thought, you know, there's something missing and I think this might be it. Mm. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to explore it. And when I did, it was very much that all the pieces kind of came together for me. So, so it went well, you found women on Tinder then, unlike myself. <laughs> never, I did. Actually, on that particular dating app. <laughs> oh, well, see, I found my, my now wife. We just got married last or on Wednesday. We just got married. Well, oh. well, we, we actually got married in January with my two step kids. We just kind of went to the registry office and whatnot, but we had our big wedding. 
Wow, um, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I didn't even realise I was going to be interviewing you so soon after you tying the knot. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, It was just amazing, yeah. So I found my wife on Tinder, so it does happen, people. <laughs> That's a great advert for them, isn't it? <laughs> right? I was like, we should take stock in them, yeah. <laughs> Did you know she was the one straight off? I knew that... I wanted her after the first date and I, I tell the jokes we, we had their date in London on uh, Madison rooftop bar. So if anyone's ever been there, you have to take an elevator up to the top. And so I was kind of waiting, you know, and the elevator's door opened and kind of this pint sized little rocker chick kind of walked out. And I just thought, Oh God, I'm, I'm fucked here. This is, this is, um, this is going to be a problem, a good problem, but a problem nonetheless. Oh, me. cause you fancied her straight away. Right mm. away. And, you know, we closed down the bar. They had to tell us to leave. And I just knew I wanted her in my life in some capacity. So I didn't know, you know, what form that would take. But I definitely thought this is somebody who is affecting me in a in a good way. And I want her in my life in some way, shape or form. And here we are six years later, married, two kids. We just created um, some embryos as well. I just um, finished IVF a few months ago. Wow, it's, it's so, all happening for you. Yeah, exactly. So the family is expanding. Yeah. So, you know, who knew oh Tinder six years ago? Goodness. <laughs> and well, that's it. Meeting her completely changed your life because you had, you know, a, a big career in the city and then you moved mm. to the countryside and totally changed direction in your career because of because of your sexuality I guess in a way absolutely I mean for me it was a turning point obviously I dated um, a lot of women before I met Sam my now wife but yeah uh, uh, meeting her and connecting with her and then meeting her children who were one and three at the time just kind of completely created the unit for me that I didn't know I needed but you know, the second we were all together, it was like, I can't imagine my life without us all being together. So yeah, that kind of sparked the um, move up north. And so she had had children with a previous female partner, but had custody of the kids. Yeah. So they got divorced. She was married to a woman. Uh, they had these two beautiful children. They got divorced. We share 50-50 custody. And so the kids were based up north and Sam, my, my wife was going back and forth. So I did that for a little bit between London and Cheshire, but it wasn't really, you know, logistically feasible. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of make the decision to leave the the company I was with and the career that I was kind of carving out for myself and I moved up north. Which is a big leap, isn't it? You know, so and to, to get involved in a big blended family and to take on someone else's children is a big decision, right? It is, yeah. And to be honest, I was never that woman who wanted kids and wanted marriage and wanted I was always career focused. For me, it was just always about making money, career progression, traveling, you know, living life for myself. Everybody who knew me was completely shocked um, that I made the decision, but it was just kind of an inner knowing. Like I just knew that those kids were, um, they were a part of me and that it was important that I helped create um, a solid foundation and structure in their life. And yeah, I made the decision to move and it's worked out very well. <laughs> it just, yeah. And was there a moment where you had to ring the parents and go, Mum, Dad, I'm moving to Cheshire and I'm a lesbian. Or was it, was it Mum, Dad, I'm a lesbian, then I'm moving to Cheshire? How did it happen? Yeah, I never really, again, I don't even have this amazing coming out story per se. I, I mean, mine was more of, 
I never felt like my sexuality was something I had to share with the world. It just mm-hmm. something that I lived. Yep. And then you either take it or you leave it. You know, I, I don't feel like I needed to do like a horse and pony show about it. Um, <laughs> like except, a show and tell. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. um, because I, like I said, I, you know, marriage and kids was never something that was on the agenda for me. So I never really shared any of the people that I was dating with anyone until, cause no one was serious enough Yeah. until I found Sam who was definitely, you know, important and serious enough to make the phone call to my parents, which in the first instance, I think it really kind of shocked them because my sexuality, the fact that I was dating men and women, yada, 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 was not something that I shared with them. So it took them a hot minute um, to wrap their heads around it. But now they love her way more than they love me. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think they're a bit obsessed. Yeah. So, and then with everybody else, my friends, they were just kind of like, honestly, that seems right. Like that seems like it was the missing piece for you. So yeah, so, it was very natural for me. Relatively yeah. easy. But I, I'm, I'm guessing still, just because of pressures of society, that even just planning that phone call and, you know, wanting it to be the right moment and get the right reaction, phoning Absolutely. home when you're the other side of the world as well must have been quite stressful. It was. It was terrifying. And um, I think my parents were, obviously they had their concerns uh, because Sam had children mm. and what that would mean for me and what, you know, the kind of sacrifices um, and the compromises I would have to make with my life um, to be a part of a blended family. They obviously had those concerns. And I think my mom, more than my dad, I think, had fears just about what the outside world would think, like you said, because gay, lesbian, the whole LGBTQ community is not something that they've lived or experienced or, you know, um, connected with. So, they were just worried what that would mean for me. And, you know, maybe it's a generational thing for Mm -hmm. them. So I didn't hold it against them. But yeah, I think they needed some time to wrap their heads around it, which, you know, at the time was a little bit painful, but we're kind of through that now and and on the other side. And did they come to your wedding? Absolutely. They were front and center. Like I said, they they love Sam now. and, And I think when they look at us and they look at our kids, they can't imagine me being with anybody else. It just makes complete sense. Um, so yeah, they were just thrilled and um, it was a really beautiful ceremony, very small. And um, my sisters came and my aunt and uncle came, my best friend from Toronto came. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really special. So all, all your siblings and extended family completely accepted it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also know me. So, you know, if they had a problem with it, it would be their problem. Yeah. And that's how I would feel about it. Yeah, so. quite right. And good attitude as well. And, and good attitude just go, you know, it's not really anyone's issue, is it really? It's not really anyone's business. You're business. Just, yeah, it really yeah. isn't. Yeah. And if, if, if I'm happy, if your children are happy, you know, your parents, whoever it is, why does it matter? No. You know? Exactly. I think it's it's quite an egocentric thing to make it about you. Yeah. Well, let's move on to talk about your career change then, because this is yeah. really interesting. You completely turned your life around and had a new career because you met a, a lesbian that had kids, basically. Tell us what happened. Yeah. yeah so I was in financial services. Um, super boring in London. Super um, lucrative. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> yeah, it was very lucrative. You know, I had a great, a great life and a great career in that regard. Obviously, I wasn't being very fulfilled. And so when I met Sam and the kids and I had to make that hard decision um, and that leap to move up north and kind of redirect my career path, 
when I was around the kids more, it became very, very apparent that there was um, very little in regards to not just LGBTQ families, but also blended and divorced families. Mm -hmm. And then add the extra layer um, in just in terms of everything being whitewashed and, and there being just a lack of diversity in general in children's literature, television, toys, games, everything they were, my kids were engaging with on a daily basis didn't actually look like their life. Mm. It, did, it was not a reflection of their reality. And to be honest, it's not a reflection of anybody's reality, which I found really jarring. So I just made the decision to, at first, it was to write some stories for my kids. And that kind of flourished into, well, it won't just be our family that needs this. There's going to be millions of families who need this. Um, so that's kind of how the book, How We Blend, Playdate, Adventures of Family and Friends came about. And yeah, now it's... Um, I'm available online. I'm going into schools. I'm doing lots of, you know, speaking engagements and helping with um, the new regulation from the government, which requires there to be lessons on relationships and difference and diversity within the curriculum in the UK, which is wonderful. Oh, yes. We've come a long um, way since Section 28, haven't we? In this absolutely. Country. And yeah. hopefully it keeps going in that direction mm -hmm. and not the other way. So, yeah, it's been... Honestly, I feel like the making of me and has really, you know, helped my own development writing these characters and these kids in the storybooks and um, and writing this curriculum has just been an incredible experience for me. So it's called Howie Blend. That's the main character, right? Yeah. Uh, I was just <laughs> it up now. Howie Blend, Playdate Adventures with Family and Friends. And it's six, That's six stories in one book, isn't it? Yeah. So it's that was the other thing. Just um, from a practical point of view, I was getting exhausted every night picking. Oh, it's always a palava with anyone who has kids knows this. 20 minutes just to pick out a storybook. So I thought I'll write, you know, a, a book that has a, you know, a few different stories in it. So you can just pick up the one book and each night read a story. So, yeah, there are um, six children who are all school friends together. They all um, come from various different uh, family dynamics. So there's heteronormative but divorced family, adoptive, lesbian, bisexual, it, a whole kind of, you know, pot of different kinds of families. And then also the children look different. Um, so I wanted to break away from these stereotypes that you see in a lot of children's television and books. You know, the athletic child is the Asian child and um, I've, I've put abilities in there as well. So there's a beautiful blonde hair, blue eye boy who's in a wheelchair, you know, so just really mixing it up and actually creating stories and characters that my children, your children, all of our children are engaging with on a daily basis. You know, it's so important, isn't it? You know, and this is something that we say quite a lot on this podcast. You can't be what you can't see. So the same yeah. as not having LGBT icons out there, you know, just like you say, having other blended families out there or seeing other people who are disabled who have achieved great things is just so important isn't it really yeah and and that's why i say so it's not like it's not an lgbtq book it's it's not um a book about divorced parents it's a it's a book about all families all of them. because all families and all children within those families are valid and we need to have more representation of that and then also it's not just about my kids seeing that they're they're you know reading about other lesbian families or whatnot. It's about maybe the children in schools or, or you know, just in, in society in general who come from heteronormative families, but they themselves might be gay. 
mm-hmm. you know, and they just don't know that there are many ways to build and create beautiful families and that they too can have that when they're older. Or, you know, one of my family members who had fertility issues from actually a really young age um, as a teenager, when that happens, understanding that you can adopt and there are various different ways that you can create children outside of... You certainly do not have to be straight and you don't even have to be in a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And we just need, we need just more representation out there for that. No, we do. And I have to say, this is something that hasn't particularly concerned me until the last year when I became a parent myself. And me and my girlfriend have a beautiful four and a half month old at the time of speaking, who happens to have Down syndrome. So that was another, another challenge that we will face. And, you know, we have gone out and tried to find, we've got all the traditional books that people give you, but we actually have gone out and tried to find LGBT books or books with different people. And you do have to go and search for it, though. I mean, they are out there, but you do have to go and search for them. So this was my my frustration, Emma, was that it's not mainstream. You have to dig for this stuff. Mm -hmm. You even have to dig, you know, if you're not white, you've got to search this out. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, that should not be. This is not the norm. You know, we are all different and diverse and that is what's mainstream. So why is that not being represented, you know, right up on the shelf at the checkout counter? Exactly. I mean, supermarkets and airports and all the t- traditional big shops are very guilty of just pushing all the mainstream stuff, aren't they, really? Which is why. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to give a, a plug now to independent bookstores because they do make more of an effort, actually. And I don't know if you've been to Queer Lit in Manchester, which is not that far away from you, but they are a brilliant LGBTQ plus um, bookstore. And as you go in, the first thing you see on the right-hand side is their children's section. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I reached out to them and I've not heard back about getting my book in there. (laughs) Well, I will have a word. Don't worry. I'm connected. No, because they do. They have. They have loads of really great. They haven't got a lot of space, but that that might be it. But they do have loads of really great stuff for kids. So, yeah, I would thoroughly recommend. It's important. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? I mean, but, you know, the whole nuclear family and two point two children and mummy and daddy is just not, you know, what everyone's experience is anymore. Absolutely not. And you know, you think about you know kids being in their formative years, and if they're not seeing themselves reflected in their everyday engagement and um, their play, what are the developmental effects of that in a negative way as they grow up and, uh, and, you know, as they develop their little, their brains and their minds? I think that's a scary thought and that's not something I wanted for my children. So that's why I decided to create it. And what sort of reaction have you had to the book then and all the stories? Honestly, it's been amazingly positive, to be honest, especially even from (laughs) the more heteronormative Mm. families. Because I feel like my generation, your generation, we're just raising more um, aware and inclusive kids um, and we're more worldly in that regard. And, you know, perhaps it's the Internet age and yada, yada, yada. There's more interconnectivity. Therefore, we know better. So we do better. But I find that it's not just the LGBTQ family and friends that have been giving, you know, positive feedback. It's been everybody. And there's definitely been an acknowledgement that there's a huge hole um in the market for this mm. well best of luck with the book it, it deserves Thank you. To do very very well indeed i wholeheartedly support it and um, we normally end, end the podcast with a sort of advice question i'm just wondering whether i should change the question because normally it's about advice about coming out but maybe advice about mm. being a an lgbt parent might be quite useful actually because gosh i'd have to think about an answer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
you know, there'll be lots of people listening who, you know, want to go down that route, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe next year or the year after, and, you know, want to know, understand some of the pitfalls and the difficulties of being an LGBT parent or being part of a blended family. What mm. is some of the advice that you wish that you'd known before becoming a, a parent? Um, so I think just even a parent in general, so regardless of your sexuality, I just think one of the main things that we can do for our children is to give them the tools and help them become thinkers rather than telling them what to think. Mm. And I think we all make this mistake. We want to see almost little versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be quite toxic for children. So yeah, just giving them the space, the tools um, and the confidence to to be become thinkers for themselves rather than telling them what to think. Yeah, fabulous. And get your book as well, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and I've just realised, I can't believe I'm interviewing you a few days after your wedding. Why aren't you on honeymoon? Oh, well, um, <laughs> we have the kids um, and we, you know, we work schedules and whatnot, but we will. Um, I think before we um, implant, because obviously our embryos are frozen, oh, we'll do kind of a big you know, trip together and, and get some alone time before we add to our joyous chaos. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Well, best of luck with that as well, expanding your blended family. I hope it goes. Thank you so familiar. much. And thank you for what you do. This is really um, important work. And um, I'm really blessed and, and happy that you invited me oh, on. A pleasure. Thank you so much. Slightly embarrassed about my Justin Trudeau admission in that interview, but anyway, a big, big thank you to Jenny for sharing her story. And go get her book. She is Jenny Gway, and that's spelled G-U-A-Y. And her kids' book is called Howie Blend, Playdate Adventures with Family and Friends. It's actually six stories in one. It's very good. Go and get it. And while you're at the bookstore, you may also want to check out Coming Out Stories by me, Emma Goswell, and Sam Walker. Just saying. So, we've been putting out this podcast at our own expense for four years now, but we have got to the stage where we really need to look at getting a sponsor. We really believe in the power of sharing these stories, and we'd love to be able to continue to keep doing that. If you think you could help us, or maybe you've got a contact that you think might be interested in reaching out to listeners across the globe, then please do get in contact. Probably the easiest way to do that is via our website, that is comingoutstoriespodcast.com. Just click on the Get In Touch link and send us a message. It would be amazing to hear from you. Right, you probably want to hear about the next episode, don't you? You'll be hearing from Andrew, who identifies as queer and non-binary. I don't wear a dress yet, or I'm not dressing in clothing that would identify me necessarily as society would see as a as a woman. But mm -hmm. equally, I like to have the options. I just don't like being hemmed in into a box. I think I've done that for so many years that it's important to be more free in that respect. So whether I end up doing more stuff than my nails, for me, it's not about that. It's just about options. And, you know, my nails were a really big thing for me because when I was a kid, I was, all my friends were girls and they all had their nails painted. And I remember painting my nails with felt tip to color them in. And I was mm. told, no, no, boys don't paint their nails. <laughs>